Hello, good afternoon, good morning to everyone out there who's tuning in to Last Word Productions right now. I am your host, as you all know, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. And once again, thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you all enjoyed the first show. If you did, check it out. If you didn't, you can always Google Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can see me on Stitcher, YouTube. I'm on multiple platforms. You can take a listen to me. And... For starters, I just want to say I appreciate everyone who it has been supporting me, who has been showing love and giving me, you know, constructive criticism and feedback. I, it's real nice. It's helpful. And it shows me where I can get better, where I can grow. And to start things off of this show, I just want to jump right into everything that's going on about the NBA, the NFL, you know, with the... <clears throat> With the protesting, with people's viewpoints and things like that. But before I dive into that, real quickly, I want to discuss the format the NBA has set up for the return of the NBA, which is actually set for July 31st. That is the set date that the NBA is aiming to return. Hopefully that stands, you know, and nothing else derails the return of Sports and the NBA playoffs because we were supposed to been there. We were supposed to be in the, the finals by this time, but that's not a hero there. You know, we all we can do is control what we can control and do what we have to do. And for, with that being said, the NBA approved plan for 22-team return with eight regular season games. The reason being, they're bringing back every team who still had a chance to make the postseason and give them eight regular season games to beat out the teams that are already set in those places and you know things of that nature seeding can still possibly change the the teams that go can more than likely change if one team drastically improves out of nowhere the other just falls in a slump because it's been such a long time since they actually played an NBA game and other than that I don't I don't hate the idea. I think it's a good it's a good idea. To me, I believe this beats the idea they had of playing one through sixteen against all the playoff teams, you know, playing against each other in both conferences. I'm not fully sure if they're going to not do that or if they're just they just discontinue that whole idea altogether. But to me, I thought that was just horrendous. I, I don't believe they should do that. I think they should keep the one through eight seeding for each respective conference, like how they've done for several years now, for forever. I don't believe they should make that. They shouldn't do cross conference play for the playoffs or whatever they want to do. But I don't believe that's the best suggestion, or I don't believe that's the best tactic, I should say. I think they should just keep it what it was. I, I love the 22-team idea. They said it's supposed to be set to restart in Orlando, Florida, as a multiple sources have said. And they also will make this proposal. The NBA Board of Governors intend to, to approve a lead proposal on this today at 1230. So this should, this should be approved. This should be something that a lot of people should back because at the end of the day, I think it's the best course of action to take. I mean, you still have over a month to get the things situated. You still have the time left to get everyone tested just in case they hadn't or, you know, just in case people still are feeling the way you can know what to do with a certain player or a certain 
facility <clears throat> employer or coach or the owner, whoever whoever it may be. But I believe there has to be something done about this. <clears throat> excuse me, about the protesting as well, because there's a lot of people out here who are affected. And like we've seen just the other day with J.R. Smith and his altercation with a complete stranger, the, no one is untouchable. You know, everyone is going to be tried at one point. Everyone is going to be tested. You see they, how far they'll push, how far you can push someone, how far you can go. And these players have to be aware that they are are human, which I know they all know, but they have to know that anything can happen at any given moment because at the end of the day, they have things that people want. They are living a lavish lifestyle that people wish they could live, and they have to be aware of their surroundings. Man, I mean, it's people out here who aren't just protesting. They're looting and stealing because they know they had an opportunity to do so as of now. So you, they have to be careful. The NBA has to put that <clears throat> into perspective, and they have to consider all things when it comes to player safety, not only just this illness or this disease, but also with everything that's going on, with the protesting, with the rioting, and looting. They have to consider all these things. Maybe they might change games to earlier set times so players won't be... <clears throat> Excuse me. So players won't be out and about at certain times of night, and maybe they won't because you know at the end of the day they're grown men. They're going to decide where they could go, who they could be with, things like that. You know, it's all up to the player at the end of the day. But I'm more than sure if you set a time for players to play games and for them to be at a certain location at a certain time, or it be fines or penalties, whatever the case may be, I'm more than sure that. 99% of the players will follow or respect the curfew or things like that. I mean, not to say that it won't be that one person or that one player or that group of players who don't respect it, but I think for the most part, it'll be successful. That's just my opinion. You all look, remember, you all can call in. Let me know what you believe. The number is 786, excuse me, 356-6213. Again, that number is 786-356-6213. Thank you. But moving on to NFL news, I know by now you all have heard Drew Brees' comments about the whole kneeling situation and the protests and the things that are going on currently in the country because of police brutality, because of the looting, because of the rioting, because of <clears throat> everything that's just happening, because of discrimination in our country. Drew Brees had a few comments and concerns he wanted to express in the interview, and he stated openly that <clears throat> I would never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag. And what he means by that is the kneeling, the protesting, the burning of the flag, the the other most disrespect he feel he feels as if he would never stand for, he would never get behind. That is something he says he'll never truly understand and something he cannot agree with. And, you know, he says this because he stated his grandfather served in the Army, so he feels as if everything that's being done is disrespected to his grandfather, is disrespectful towards his grandfather. 
and he feels as if things can be approached differently. It doesn't take looting and rioting and whatever the case may be or however he views the topic or the subject to be the answer. Now, quite a few athletes had some words to say to Drew Brees. They expressed their own opinions as well of his thoughts. And one of the most notable ones outside of football was LeBron James. And LeBron James, who we all know is the best player of his generation by far, he stated, wow, man, is it still surprising at this point? You literally still don't understand why Cap was kneeling on one knee. So with that being said, LeBron basically expressed everything that everyone was thinking after Drew Brees' comments. Like Michael Thomas, like Michael Jenkins, Tyron Matthew, Aaron Rodgers. The list will go on and on and on because multiple players came out and spoke on this because they feel as if Drew Brees is walking the thin line here and he's saying things that has made teammates uncomfortable, players are in the league uncomfortable, possible ownership, possibly the head coaches, you know. I mean, he's speaking about something that a lot of people can relate to. Like how LeBron said, his his grandfather also served. And just like Kaepernick's situation himself, Kaepernick was told to kneel by a veteran to show more respect to the country. So he, he remember, let's remember now, he was sitting before he started kneeling. So Kaepernick spoke to an old vet, and the old vet told him, out of respect for the country and respect for the flag and the fallen soldiers and soldiers who serve, take a knee, it will show more respect for the country that you, you know, you're a part of, that men and women who are fighting for you. That's exactly what Kaepernick did. He didn't disrespect the soldier and continue to sit and say, you know what, forget you, I must do how I see fit because we shouldn't be out in the streets dying. And, and we, I mean, black men and black women, we shouldn't be out in the streets dying just because of the complexion of our skin. So I'm not going to hear your advice and I'm not going to consider your, excuse me, I'm not going to consider your feelings when you haven't considered ours. He didn't approach the problem like that. He says, you know what? You're right. Let me not disrespect the men and women who sacrificed their lives and put their health in family matter a family before everything else let me not disrespect those guys and let me be more respectful to them by taking his knee which a veteran again like i said which a veteran asked him to do so drew Brees is speaking of something he for one clearly does not fully understand because if he was aware of the entirety of the situation he would never have made this comment because for one drew mr Brees. My apologies for calling you Drew, but you, your grandfather is not the only one who has served in this country. That's for one. For two, you're speaking on something that you can never relate to being a middle-aged white man that, that you are. You cannot understand why this protest, you can't stand from an emotional standpoint that why this is happening and why the protesting is occurring, how they're occurring, or why people are disrespecting the flag like how they're doing it, or how you view it as disrespect. Because to me and many others, I don't view it as disrespect. I view it as people who have been 
oppressed, slaved, and downright discriminated and held back for over 400 years are just tired. Like, it's, it's that simple. They're just tired. They're, they want to be treated like equals. No one is asking to be superior to the other. No one is asking to, you know, get $200 million in reparations or something like that, You know, where it's just simple. Treat us like how you want to be treated. Like, that's what you're taught at a young age. That's what you learn throughout school. That's what something that everyone should feel and everyone should understand. Now, with that being said, Michael Thomas, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, all Saints teammates, all African-Americans, all expressed the discomfort with Drew Brees' comments. Basically, Michael Thomas, I can pull up the exact quote right now. Michael Thomas stated, excuse me as I look for this quote. I should have had it prepared. My apologies. But Michael Thomas has stated that, you know, he can't possibly, he can't understand, essentially. And Emmanuel Sanders just said, SMH, disappointed, you know, pathetic, things like that. Clearly, his teammates aren't happy with him. Clearly, they feel a certain way about his comments, and as they should, because at the end of the day, Drew Brees cannot possibly relate to the issues that is going on currently in the country. He he can't. It's it's literally impossible for his mind to fathom the type of fear and you know the type of fear and <clears throat> discomfort that a black man could have around police officers. It's it's literally impossible for him to even conjure up something in his mind like that because he's never had to worry about that in his life. From from that perspective, from that standpoint, I'm not saying that everyone doesn't deal with police brutality or assault by the police or whatever, however you want to describe it. But from that standpoint, as a white man in this country, you don't have much to fear when a cop approach you nine out of ten times because he doesn't view you as a threat just because of your skin complexion or your physical appearance or your <clears throat> or your approach to him or how you know your demeanor or how you speak to him or things like that. You know, it's just all about. It's basically huge stereotypes that have been just being waved around by police officers of the system for years now, and and this hasn't been fixed yet. I mean, it's just it's just crazy to me because I can't understand why people c- cannot understand or see the bigger picture at this point. It's just crazy because. It's multiple people who have came out on multiple platforms and stated and spoke in about this, and yet people still are missing the big picture. And it's honestly just going to get ugly for the Saints organization, who, by the way, will be hosting a meeting today to <clears throat> discuss Drew Brees' comments and, you know, to just clear the air, get everyone 
on the same page again. Because I, I was having this discussion with a friend last night. I highly doubt that Drew Brees gets traded or released. I, I highly doubt that because he's been a face of that franchise for, for years now. He's someone who that franchise in that city adores because of what he has done for them. And I don't think they're just going to turn their back on him after disgruntled comments or reactions. But, I mean, it it wouldn't, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be completely shocked if they did release him because his comments will separate a lot of guys from him in that locker room. So, I've ruled it out that he would be traded or released, but I would be shocked to the point. I'd be like, man, I can't believe they really did that if they released Drew Brees or traded him. So, it's a lot of teammates that have expressed the discomfort with him, but at the end of the day, they all, I feel as if the business comes before anything when it comes to the Saints organization. They will come together and see if they can find a common ground between everyone. They all will express their discomforts or their displeasures with Drew Brees' comments. And, and Drew Brees actually issued an apology today as well. Stating that I should do less talking and more listening, calling his comments insensitive, but we all know nine out of ten times his agent made him say that or told him he had to issue a comment. I mean, uh, uh, I'm sorry, not a comment, but an apology because of his comments. We all know he did this because he knew it was getting ugly. He knew it would get ugly, and in all honesty. It's just, it, to me, it just seems like a, <clears throat> excuse me, to me, it just seems like a, like a cop-out. Like, it seems like something that he's saying, he's saying this so he won't get the backlash that he's getting now. And I feel as if it's too late. You know, once you say something, once you let it know what's truly in your heart, you can apologize however many times. You can say whatever you want to say, but... People now know. They know how you genuinely feel. They know how you view them situations or the matter at hand. They they know how you're going to approach it now. They know how you will operate, how you will hold yourself when it comes to these topics. And like I said, multiple players express their discomfort. Two notable players well, some of the best in the league and Tyron Matthew Richard Sherman also went to Twitter and expressed their discomforts with Drew Brees' statements. Tyron Matthew, and I quote, said, shake my head, you represent New Orleans, Louisiana, don't ever forget that. Hashtag bottom of the map. Basically, Tyron Matthew is expressing his disappointment not only in Drew Brees, but his disappointment, to me, it seems like the fact that he represents New Orleans, you know, Louisiana. It's like he's disappointed that this guy who just made these comments is the face of, you know, of the city. You know, this guy, he's the guy who's been the golden boy. He's giving all this money, you know, donating and <clears throat> donating and giving back to the community, helping one another and things like that. He, This is the guy. But yet he's out here making these type of comments, you know, showing people how he truly feel about them. 
But he's the guy who represents New Orleans. He's that guy. To me, that shows Tyron Matthews is more disappointed than angry with Drew Brees. And it's it's a saying to me because we all know Tyron Matthew played at LSU. He's proud, proud of where he comes from, and he's an extremely prideful person. So for him to come out and say things like this shows that it truly bothers him because he's a guy who's not really vocal all the time. He does express his discomforts, his you know, when he feels as if something needs to be said, he says it. But he's not a guy who always takes to social media all the time because he just, to me at least, I don't see him do it often. He's a guy that usually stay in his own lane. So for him to come out and say something like this and to at Drew Brees like that, to actually tag him in the tweets so he knows he see it, just says a lot, man. It says a lot. And then Richard Sherman, one of the better corners in the league, who's been one of the best corners in the league for the past decade, he stated he's beyond loss. Guarantee you there were black men fighting alongside your grandfather, but that doesn't seem to be about that. That uncomfortable conversation you are trying to avoid by injecting military into a conversation about brutality and equality is part of the problem. And to me, right here, Richard Sherman hit the right on the nail. Hit it right on the nail, man. I mean, it's just simple. It's the fact that not only did we know black men were fighting alongside your grandfather, not only did we do that, he purposely made this comment and he worded it to the point where he can make it seem as if He's just saying what he feels as if is disrespectful towards the flag and the country. He completely, <clears throat> he completely disregarded the other men and women who served with his grandfather, and he just was worried about his family and his roots, which was it's completely selfish because, like Richard Sherman said, your grandfather was not the only guy to serve in the. To, Excuse me, to serve for this country. He wasn't the only guy who sacrificed almost everything, if not everything, for this country, or he was willing to, you know? So it's not like you're the only one who can relate to that. It's not like you're the only one who family can see both sides of the, you know, both sides of the coin. No, it's, it's not like that at all, Breeze, Mr. Breeze. No. You have to understand that these guys, it's bigger, it's bigger than your grandfather. It's bigger than the Army, if we're being honest. And it's bigger than the American flag. It's, it's bigger than that because we're living in, we live in a country that prides itself and boasts about being home of the free and land of opportunity. So, if we are truly land of the free and and home of opportunity, how come black men are here dying just because they're black? How come other opportunities that certain a group of people seem to have, other groups don't seem to have? I mean, 
50% of wrongfully convicted felons or prisoners who are incarcerated are African Americans. That doesn't seem like equal opportunity or equal rights to me. But that's another conversation for another day. At the end of the day, I feel as if Drew Brees was out of pockets for his for his comments. I feel as if he's he needs to apologize <laughs> to his teammates individually. This open this open statement, him apologizing and him saying that he had said some insensitive things and saying that he has shut up next time and listen. I mean, that, that doesn't do nothing for no one, man. I mean, like I said, it's a cop-out. It's just so he can get back on some good people's side. They'll, you know, they'll say to be like, you know what? He said he was wrong. We could move past this onto the season and training camp or whatever. No, I don't feel as if a lot of players are going to just let this one slide because it's bigger than his comments, man. I mean, it just shows his ignorance and it shows he's just unaware of everything that's currently going on in the country. And I feel as if Drew, you should be better than that. I thought you were better than that. I thought you were a great person. To me, it seems like you're just here now. I mean, I don't, I don't have much to say in regards to this anymore. I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope he can open his eyes to what is truly around him. But like I said, I'll move on from that. All right, so now, since we're moving on from that, we're going to do another season's predictions. And today, we're going to do... We're going to do the, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to do the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to break down who I believe the Eagles should beat and would lose to and things like that. Excuse me, I'm pulling up their schedule as we speak. And, okay, here. I'm sorry, just give me one more second. Okay, so the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I was I wasn't able to find the exact opponents they'll play, but I did find the <clears throat> I did find the opponents they'll play. Not the exact weeks they'll play them, I should say. So, with that being said, I'm going to jump right into it. Excuse me. Oh, it's fun. Again, if you all don't know, you can always call in. The number is 786-356-6213. Again, our number is 786-356-6213. Okay. So now, let's get started. Week one, the Philadelphia Eagles will host the Washington Redskins. I think that's a W. I mean, I just feel as... Oh, I'm sorry. They don't host them. They're away at Washington. Uh, That might make that game a little bit more difficult. But I I still think it's a W because the Eagles are simply the better team. And opening the season, the better teams usually win. And 
it's only a few good teams in the league, such as the Patriots in Seattle, where they struggle in the beginning of the year because they're trying to find their footing. But the Eagles and the Redskins, I think, regardless of the week, they are who they are. So I believe the better team should win this game, especially opening week. I think the Eagles win this game. Second week, they had the Rams at home. And I like the Rams to beat the Eagles in their first home opener because of the simple fact, like I just said, they were the better team than the Redskins. I think the Rams are the better team than the Eagles. Again, still early in the season. The Eagles, from a talent perspective, are inferior to <clears throat> the Rams. Jenny Ramsey and Aaron Donald will be the home records of the Rams. Jalen Ramsey is a guy who can match up with any receiver on that team. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, you want you could say Alshon Jeffrey, their first-round draft pick. It, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I feel as if they're, they have ways to – they could beat guys in multiple ways now, but that defense is started, man. They have good guys on that defense. And, and Jalen Ramsey at the front line with Aaron Donald. <clears throat> I believe – I don't believe they have Michael Brockers anymore, but they do have Troy Apke at safety. He was a good young safety, man. I mean, extremely athletic. You know, he's a guy who can get better, will get better. So their secondary has – it looks solidified for – at least for the time being. I mean – is is young, is talented. The team itself is young and talented. I love how they draft the Cam Makers from FSU. Good, very talented young player, extremely underrated. And this is this is a team that is coached by one of the better young coaches in the league, Sean McVay. Let's not forget he was the youngest coach to ever make the Super Bowl. And he turned his franchise around in a matter of a season. They went from worst to first in their excuse me, <clears throat> in their division. This is a team that will progressively get better as long as he's the head coach because he, he shows he shows it. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he knows exactly who he wants on this team. He knows who's going to be productive. He let a guy, Brandon Cook, go because he knew he had a Cooper Cup. He knew he, got a, he, knew he has a Robert Woods. He knows he has guys who are extremely good at what they do they're just, you know, overlooked at times. But they have a good team. They have the talent around them to be successful. And Jared Goff is a quarterback who can be better, but he will get better. Still, He's still young himself. And as long as he's under a coach like Sean McVay, I think the sky's the limit for this team. Again, a home game week three against the Bengals. I think they take this game. The Bengals by this point will probably be a bit better because, you know, Joe Burrow has some some footing under him, has some of his footing under him. But I think the rest of the team will still be trying to pan out who they are. They, they got a lot of key new additions and guys like Trey Waynes and DJ Reader and, excuse me, DJ Reader and multiple others and the young players such as T. Higgins who – can be a key contributor to this team. I mean, Tyler Boyd and John Ross are still there, but John Ross hasn't exactly panned out like how this team wanted him to. 
AJ Green has had injury concerns for the past three, four years now, so they might be moving on from the long-time star receiver. But I think they'll still have a lot of ways to go before they actually hit the ground running because I do believe the Cardinals, not the Cardinals, I'm sorry, the Bengals are extremely talented. I think this is a team that can make a lot of noise with the talent they have, the young talent they have, let me add that in. But I don't see it happening this season. It's too early. I think the Eagles take this game. Next game, week four, on the road, San Francisco. This is a loss. San Fran is going to come back even better than what they were last season because of the fact they now know who they are. They have that identity. They knew they were going to be, you know, a defensive team because they they signed and drafted multiple guys to, excuse me, multiple guys to to disrupt the quarterback, stop the run, to help against the passing in the in this pass first lead. Their front seven. It's by far the best front seven in this league, man. I mean, when you when you can dictate an offense because of the, your talent and because of what you bring to the table, you control the game. And not only can their defense control what, what offenses do, their offense can control what defenses do because they're a good running team. Raheem Moser and Tim and Coleman, one of the best one-two punches in the league when it comes to a backfield. Then you still got Jimmy G, who was the guy who had a, a who ranked eleven in QBR last season. I mean, that's just out of the top ten, so that's not that's good. That's not bad. It's not even average. That's good. Have a young developing second year receiver, Debo Samuel, who seems to be a Swiss Army knife for them because he's a guy who can do multiple things. I would love to see him clean up the drops and him. In general, putting the, giving the ball up, I would love to see that. But he's young. He's a young guy. He's going to get better. And this team is just talented, man. They're loaded. And it's hard for me to see them not going back to the Super Bowl and possibly winning it. It's just about making the plays that matters. Week five, I have they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers away. To me, this game could go either way. I feel as if both teams are talented in their own right. The Steelers finished the season last year with a top five defense. So they have good guys in the secondary in the front seven. I love TJ Watt, man. I love Mika Fitzpatrick, man. I love Edmonds. But Dupree is an underrated guy to me as well. And I love the, the rookie middle linebacker they had last year. And <clears throat> I can't remember his name right now. I believe it. Is it Devin Bush? Um, I can't remember his name right now. So let me let me not try to sound crazy. But I love the, I love the team they have around them right now. I believe they're moving in the right direction in terms of the rosters and the talent and Big Ben coming back, you know. I mean, I believe they, they could use another receiver because I'm not a believer in Juju Smith-Schuster being... It is Devin Bush, the linebacker. Okay, I thought I was wrong. But anyways, I'm not a believer in 
Juju Smith Schuster being your best receiver because I, I feel as if his, he's at his best when he's the second option. I mean, look at it. His best season came alongside AB. You know, it's, it's this is a guy who had put up 1K and multiple touchdowns in a Pro Bowl season alongside AB. Despite the fact that Drew, I mean, not Drew Brees, despite the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was hurt and he did miss majority of last season, all of last season, really, Juju Smith didn't help out his young quarterbacks that they had back there either. I mean, it was as if he went just ghost. I mean, I don't understand the, the quarterback still has to deliver catchable passes and give you a chance. But at the same time, if you're my best and you're supposed to be the guy we lean on, we need the chains move, we need yards, we need to get a position for field goal, whatever the case may be, I expect you to make a play sometimes. He didn't do that last year. I mean... Perfect example, DeAndre Hawkins, Brock Osweiler, um, Matt Schaub, who was, um, I mean, it was just pitiful after pitiful after pitiful starter for the Texans, and yet, despite that, DeAndre Hawkins came in every year and performed. You can sit here and say DeAndre Hawkins is different type of receiver, different breed. At the end of the day, he knew he was that guy. He went out there and showed every week despite who was that quarterback. Michael Thomas. Drew Brees went down. Teddy stepped in. Michael Thomas still before Is Teddy a good quarterback? Yes, I think Teddy's a good quarterback. But at the end of the day, he performed. Regardless of who was that quarterback. We can even go a different route. In Devontae Parker last season, when he was finally fully healthy for the entirety of the season, he had guys who was an all-career backup in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he had a guy, Josh Rosen, who is considered a bust at this point in his career. Hey, what did he go out there and do? 1K, 9 touchdowns, best season of his career. My point is, when you are that guy, you make it happen, regardless of who is throwing you the ball. I'm not saying they're going to be perfect like how your first QB was, because at the end of the day, this is the reason why they're the backup and not starting. But you have to be able to make the plays sometimes that separates you from the second receiver as the best receiver. I don't think Juju did that enough. Little to none last year. But I think the Steelers can still take this game. And like I said, though, this game can go either way, man. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles won. I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers won. But I'm going to dodge. I'm against the Steelers the dodge just because the return to Big Ben should be big for them. So, so far, I got... <clears throat> I got the Eagles at two or three so far. Let's move right on to week six against the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is a loss as well, despite the fact that they're at home. I think Lamar Jackson is just too dynamic for this team. I think that rushing attack is going to be too much. 
especially bringing in a young guy like J.K. Dobbins to compliment a Mark Ingram and a Gus Edwards. I think this team is just going to be too dynamic running the ball. Mark Andrews at tight end, a Pro Bowl tight end. Going to be too much for those linebackers to cover. And that defense is something that a lot of people just bypass because how dynamic Lamar Jackson is and the MVP caliber season he just had. Excuse me, the MVP season he did just have, which was unanimous. I believe the Ravens take this game by a relatively wide margin, to be honest with you. Okay, week seven again at home against the New York Giants. I think they take this game. The Giants have a lot of the working out to do along the offensive line. I think the Eagles' defensive line is proven with guys like Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett. I think they they have guys who can get after the quarterback who will disrupt the running game. And they have a, a team that really matches up well against the Giants, let I think about it, because they, even though despite the fact that they have unproven players, <clears throat> excuse me, on their roster, they have guys who can make plays like a Miles Sanders, like a Deshaun Jackson. I mean, some players on this team are young. But some players are experienced and know what it takes to beat certain teams and know what schemes they want they're going to look into when they're matching up against them. But I think Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley would be a good one-two punch at the quarterback and running back position for years to come. They still have Sterling Shepard. They just need to grow at this point and I don't think it's just going to happen overnight even though I think Saquon Barkley right now is the top three running back in this league without question to me he is but it's still room for improvement hopefully they improve but as of now I think they're not good enough to be the Eagles as of now especially away Dallas Cowboys week eight home again. So that's three straight home games for the Eagles. Not you know, that's something you can live with, not too bad. And I think they take the W here. I say that because strictly because the reason that at home I think the Eagles gain the upper hand being at home and Dallas on the road. I think they take this game. Dallas did a lot to improve in the draft. I love this. I love the draft of C.D. Lamb. I love that they drafted Trayvon Diggs. I love all of that. But at the end of the day, those guys are young players. They're going to start to hit that rookie wall, like a lot of people say. Week eight, you know, your body start to slowly, you know, man, this, these hits kind of different from college. So. I think they're going to slowly start to feel it physically. And I think it's going to take their toll on them at week eight of this part of the season. So I think the Dallas Cowboys will lose this game to the Eagles. And in all honesty, I just think Darius Slay, the addition of Darius Slay, will be impactful in this game as well because Amari Cooper has absolutely toasted the Eagles secondary for two years now. It won't be the same with Darius Slater. I mean, is he the same capable?
corner he once was. Maybe not, but he's by far the best corner of that team right now, currently, as we speak. He's not going to give up 150 yards to any receiver in this league, especially not twice a year. Okay, so week nine, they have a bye week. Week 10, they come back. They're away against the Giants. And I think I think they too old as Giants, man. I think I think the Giants get beat twice by their division rivals. I mean, again, I I love the young talent the Giants are building. I I, I love that they signed Dre's Badberry. I love Jabril Peppers at safety. I love I love the sign. I mean, not excuse me. I love the drafting of Andre Thomas from out of Georgia to tackle. But I think this team is just, they're not ready yet. They're not ready to compete with good to great teams. And the Eagles are a good team. I mean, the Eagles can disappoint at times. But, I mean, if I'm going on what I know now and just off of what I see on paper and the talent and the coaching, I think the Eagles are just a better team. I don't think they should lose once to this team. They're just inferior to them. Browns week 11. I think the Browns take this game. I think the Browns has gotten it together. They they let go of Freddie Kitchens, who I thought was an absolutely horrific, just terrible coach. I don't even last year when they were winning, it looked promising. I thought it was. I thought they should have signed him. I thought they should have went out and got a guy. But you know they kept it in house and they gave it a shot. It they absolutely just went to bed. It was. A horrible season, especially with all the talent they have. But now they go out and get Jack Conklin. They go out and get young players along the line. They go out and get a guy. <clears throat> excuse me. They go out and get the tight end from the from the, the Atlanta Falcons. I, his name crosses does not cross my mind currently right now. And they still have David Njoku at tight end as well, so they can run two tight end sets with. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham at receiver. It's a lot of talent, man. And still, and they still have one of the better running backs in the league in Nick Chubb. Two's to me a top five, arguably top three running back. So again, a lot of talent, man. They around Baker Mayfield. And if you bring in the right coach to put them in a position to succeed, <sighs> sky's the limit, man. That's all I gotta say. Week 12 at home against the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seahawks win this game. Now, with that being said, I think this game will be competitive because of the home, I mean, excuse me, because of the playoff loss at, I mean, that they first Seattle last season. But I think DK Metcalf is going to hit a huge leap this year coming because of the fact that he now knows what it feels like to be in the league and he now knows what coverages would throw at him. With a guy like Russell Wilson, a quarterback for a guy like DK Metcalf, who's an absolute freak of nature, it's going to get ugly. That's all I got to say. It's going to get ugly. Week 13, Green Bay. I think they take an L here as well. I mean, Aaron Rodgers at home, man. It's hard to beat that man at home, man. I mean, it's possible. We've seen it happen before, but... With the secondary the Eagles have, they lost key additions, well, key players, I'm sorry, like Michael Jenkins. It's going to be hard, man. It's going to be hard. 
Because, listen, he's getting – he got Devontae Parker – not Devontae Parker, I'm sorry, Devontae Adams. My apologies to Devontae Adams. He got Devontae Adams back fully healthy. Aaron Jones, who's really hitting his prime right now, it seems, because he's playing the best football of his career thus far, and it's not even close. And despite the fact that they – don't really have a reliable second receiver. Devontae Adams has had his way with Darius Slay for years now. So they're bringing in a guy who he has absolutely killed the past couple of seasons. So I think the Packers take this game. And so far, let me see. I have the Eagles going... Well, let me just double back and check to see how many games I have them winning. Right now, they're 5-8 and eight right now. I don't have them doing so hot. <laughs> All right. Week 14, they have the Saints at home. Sadly, sadly, I hate to tell y'all Eagles fans, but I think this is another L. I don't think y'all beat the Saints. Y'all have a better – y'all would have honestly had a better chance beating the Packers on a, on a away game than beating the Saints at home. Saints is two times a man. It's not, it's not too many, you know, absent or bad positions they have. I mean, Alvin Kamara is one of the better dynamic bats in this league. It seems almost impossible for him to be tackled by the first person who touches him at times. Michael Thomas may be the best receiver in the league currently. Drew Brees may be the best quarterback in the league currently. <laughs> I mean, I don't believe those two are the best at what they do, but they you could make a case for them both. And I feel as if that their defense is underrated, especially with a guy like DeMario Davis, who has been highly underrated for the past two years now because he has been absolutely balling. It has been nothing but a stud for them the past couple of seasons. They still have a young, good secondary like guys, like the likes of Marcus Williams and Marshawn Lattimore. I think this is a team that is loaded across the board, and they're going to only get better. Week 15 against the Arizona Cardinals. I think they take this game, despite the fact that I think Arizona might be the better team on paper. I think... Coming to this, coming into this game on the road for the Eagles, this is going to be we need to win game for them because I think it's going to end up being like how last season was. It's going to be to the final weeks of the season to you know make a run for the playoffs or the top of the division. I think it's going to be a must win game for them. I think they pull it off against the Cardinals despite the fact that. I think the Cardinals may be the better team on paper. Then they they go on a road to the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Cowboys take this game. For the same reason, I said the Eagles beat them at home. They're a better team than the Eagles are away. I think that they have added a lot of talent, like I've already said, on both sides of the ball. They found replacements for Byron Jones and Trayvon Diggs. They get CeeDee Lamb in the slot. You know, 
you, it's just it's a lot, man. You can do with a team like that. You got Ezekiel Elliott, you got Michael Gallup, you got Mark Cooper as your number one. I mean, Dak has a plethora of weapons to utilize at his disposal. So it's it's just a matter of how well coached this team will be because they have they're oozing talent, man. I mean the the Cowboys are too talented of a team to not make the playoffs this year. If they do not make the playoffs this year, it is time to just go a different direction in in the GM, the ownership, whatever. I know, I know, I know I'm just going on and on because I know that's not going to happen with Jerry Jones. I mean, I know he's not selling the team anytime soon. I mean, he's profiting hugely off this team, but... If they can't make the, the the playoffs this season and make a run, I mean, I don't know, man. Cowboys fans, I'm going to be in there for a long run. And last week, they got the Washington Redskins, who I think they beat. So, I think I had them. Yes, the Eagles, I had them going 7-9. I mean, no week. 6-10, I'm sorry. <laughs> So I think they missed out on the playoffs. I think it's not going to be a good season for the Eagles. I do think they made subtle and slight improvements along the ball. I don't think it was enough, though. I mean, they don't have that every down back right now currently. Miles Sanders is a more of a receiving back to be. He's more of a what a what Darren Sproles was for this team. I mean, he's he's a little bit bigger and can run between tackles better than Darren Sproles, but they're both receiver backs. I think you need that ground and pound type of back. That's why I believe losing Jordan Howard was big for them. And on the other side of the ball, I still don't think this secondary is much improved, even with the addition of Darius Slay. To me, it's not, it's not much improved. They, I mean, the safeties help Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby. I think they're solid players, but I don't think they're good players. I think they can get the job done, but I don't see new guys get toasted multiple times, multiple years. So we'll see, man. But thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. Excuse me if I sounded a bit stuffy or if I sounded like I was having a hard time speaking or anything like that. But, again, thank you for tuning in. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Please tune in. The next show, which will be at same date, same time. I mean, same date, same time, excuse me, Thursday at noon. And I'll see you all in the next one. And be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. This will be posted there as well. And y'all have a great day.